Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it is Wednesday, which for us means opponent breakdown day. And the next opponent for the Green Bay Packers will be the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday afternoon inside a soccer stadium yeah. whose name escapes me at the moment, but I'm still struggling like, with saying Los Angeles Chargers instead of San Diego, so right. bear with me here as we, uh, like as we go through this today. Something, right? something like that, yeah. yeah. It used to be called the StubHub Center, but then it changed its name. That was too easy. 27,000 seat capacity that... Uh, I talked with Mark Murphy yesterday, actually. I was doing a... Um, a sort of conference call for uh, one of our friend Haley's fan clubs. Yeah. And Mark Murphy was on the conference call with fans, and he was saying that uh, he's predicting that about 75% of that 27,000-seat um, stadium is going to be Packer fans on, uh, yeah. on Sunday. It's going to be interesting yeah, how, the this, other, how this shakes out. And then there's going to be about another 20 fan, you know, percent of fans that probably aren't fans for either team and maybe like 5% that are there for the Chargers. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. And it's been a tough situation for the Chargers this year. I, I think there's been some comments and remarks made. Now, this is going to be a, a pretty very pro Packers crowd just based on yeah. how they travel. There's a reason why this game is being played in LA as opposed to shipping it overseas. But it's actually funny. I I think, you know, you listen to some of these comments the Chargers players have made, it's almost like every game has sort of been a road game for them this season. Yeah, they played a primetime game at home. I believe it was a Sunday night game earlier this year against Pittsburgh, and the Pittsburgh Steeler fans took over the yeah. place. I mean, it was it was a home game for the Steelers uh, more than 2,000 miles from home, and it sounds like uh, Sunday afternoon could very much be the same way for the Packers. You know, and this is one that I, I guess, uh, you know, I'm going to say I really don't have a whole lot of sympathy for them. I mean, you, you could have easily had this game go overseas and not saying that there wouldn't have been a ton of Packer fans there too, but you sure. might have had a better chance to have Charger fans. I just, I go back to that game last year, Mike, against the Rams. Oh, yeah. 90,000 seat LA Coliseum, and there's go pack, go chance during the entire game, and <laughs> they're filled to the top of the, the, the building, and it just... Uh, and the Ra the Rams were undefeated at the yeah. time, and I, I would say that that was about as close to a 50-50 split as yeah. I have ever seen at a true road game. I mean, it, it really was. I believe the announced attendance that day was around 80,000 because it wasn't a sellout at the Coliseum. But of those 80,000, I bet it was 40,000 each side. Yeah, so needless to say, I think this game on Sunday is going to be very interesting to watch from that perspective. Also, a 27,000-seat stadium that I think fits 30,000 for football, so okay. uh, a very different environment than uh, you and me are really you know, used to covering. Well, when you look at the Chargers' season here in 2019, the record says they're 3-5. and five. <laughs> Yeah. But if you look at how these games are gone, their, their record, quite frankly, Wes, could be absolutely anything yeah, at this point. Yeah, it really they, could be. They won in overtime in Week 1. Uh, they're... Other than one victory that they had by a considerable margin, their other victory was against the Bears this past weekend yep. when the Bears missed a kick on the missed a field goal on the final play of the game. All five of the Chargers' losses are one-score defeats that they were in those games all the way up until the end. Probably the most heartbreaking of the bunch was the road game at Tennessee where right at the end of the game, they're down by three. They actually 
twice the officials call a touchdown in the final minute of the game and they think they've won the game, replay the automatic review of the score twice those replay reviews place the ball inside the one yard line and then after the second nullified touchdown melvin gordon fumbles the ball the titans recover and the chargers take another loss so they've they've had they've had about as wild crazy down to the wire every week up and down season as you could possibly have the bottom line though is that they have five losses. They're kind of on the on the brink here, coming off of a playoff season when they were twelve and four a year ago. They're on the brink here of falling out of contention if they don't uh, get the ship righted. Yeah, and this is not a team you can mess with either because the firepower is there. They had Super Bowl aspirations going into this season. No that doubt. was one of the reasons why the Melvin Gordon holdout sort of complicated everything. It was funny, though, Mike, because as difficult and demoralizing as that Tennessee game was, that was right after the game against Pittsburgh at home, (laughs) whereas you were talking about a very pro-Steelers crowd, and the Chargers played about as poorly as you could play in all three phases of the game uh, in that venue. But they got, got, you know, something went right for them last week. Uh, They played tooth and nail with the Bears. You know, Phillip Rivers didn't have his best game, but... Ultimately, at the end of it, they, they had a little bit of good fortune with the missed 41-yard field goal from Eddie Pinero, and, and here they are with 3-4. and four. But as you said, their only blowout this year was that 30-10 to 10 win over Miami. Otherwise, the Colts' overtime win and all those losses that were within a score, it's been a very down-to-the-wire season for the Chargers, and much like my fantasy football team, just haven't been able to find the wins. Well, and this is when I was looking them up and writing some things in Insider Inbox about the Chargers. Really, you compare this season for them to last year. Last year, they had seven of their 16 games in the regular season were decided by one score, and they were 6-1 and one in those yeah. seven games. Just look at their record in the one-score games this year. It's, it's what's happening in the fourth quarter where they're not able to get it together and pull these things out at the end. That's the difference between them being 12 and 4 a year ago and uh, and kind of teetering on the edge of falling out of contention halfway through 2019. It's a fine line in this league as we talk about all the time, but that being said, as you said, there are explosive weapons on this team. There is a savvy veteran quarterback who has been there and done that. Do not sleep on the LA Chargers. Well, and the thing that actually confused me the most for all the ups and downs that the Chargers have had they are coming off a win, and then that's when they decided to make the change at offensive coordinator with Ken Wisenhunt, right? Right, I mean, they, right. that they make a change there. It seemed like an interesting time to do it. Uh, Wisenhunt had been there for a number of years at this point, but they're just looking for some kind of spark. Let's be honest, though, Mike. In the good years, the bad years, this team has gone as Phillip Rivers has gone. Yep. And unfortunately for them, he's just not been at his peak this season. Last year, I really thought he was. You oh, know, he was especially yeah. down the stretch. I thought he was playing tremendous football. I mean, they went in in a primetime game into Arrowhead Stadium and knocked off the Chiefs, who ended up being the number one seed in the AFC in the playoffs yeah. last year. Yeah, and it's one of these things where, you know, you look at him and how he plays – even this season, I mean, the games in which he's been down, you think of Denver, you think about uh, Pittsburgh, the loss against Detroit, he hasn't played well. It's kind of weird because then you look at like what Atlanta's going through with Matt Ryan. The last two years, Matt Ryan's passer rating, all this, the statistics look great. They just aren't winning football games. With the Chargers, it really does need to be the Phillip Rivers show, especially early in the season when they didn't have Melvin Gordon. He's come back but hasn't quite found his rhythm yet. Yeah. Austin Eckler has had his moments, but... The dangerous thing about this Chargers offense is Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen have been doing this for a long time now. Allen, again, 
600 yards, I think, already on the season. He's a type of difference maker that you have to account for at all times and a big play threat that can put points on the board at any given moment. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen is uh, is certainly a big play threat. And Mike Williams, the number two yeah, wide receiver absolutely. on this team, has made some big plays down the field as well. I believe Williams' average, you've got it in front of you, his 16. average 1. yards per catch. Yeah, I mean, 16 yep. yards per catch. This guy's been a pretty big play guy. And you mentioned Austin Eckler, who essentially became the number one running back at the start of the season because of Melvin Gordon's long holdout. He's a guy that now is very regularly being worked into not only the rotation to run the ball, but to catch passes out of the backfield. He's racked up 500 yards receiving and five touchdowns yeah. as a pass catcher already this year for uh, um, for a, you know, a smaller, shifty running back. So that's definitely a weapon to keep an eye on. But I'm with you that... Uh, this team really does go as as Philip Rivers goes, and the change at offensive coordinator will ha- will have to see. Obviously, it's being done to to provide some kind of a spark to light some kind of a fire under an offense that head coach Anthony Lynn feels is is underperforming. And um, you know, we've seen it, Wes. These things can go one of two ways. Sometimes it can take a while to adjust to the new voices in the room and the new types of game plans. Other times it really does provide a yeah. spark and then and suddenly a team takes off. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest example of that that I can recall is really, you know, the Jim Bob Cooter era in Detroit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Joe Lombardi had been let go, it seemed like that was a galvanizing moment for that offense and Matthew Stafford. This is interesting, though, because as you mentioned with Eckler, uh, it's 51 catches already on the air. He's tied with Keen Allen for the most on the Chargers roster, putting him on pace for over 100 this season. <laughs> Melvin Gordon is back, and traditionally he has been their bell cow, but I think the one thing they learned in those whatever it was, five, six weeks that they didn't have Gordon is Eckler is a guy that you can turn to, you can rely on, and he does seem to have some chemistry there with uh, you know Phillip Rivers. And let's be honest, when the Packers have had issues this year, it's with those type of shiftier type players in open space in teams that have tight ends. And, you know, the Chargers have tight ends too. Hunter Henry uh, is a guy that can make you hurt at times. And, and Dontrell Inman has quite a few big plays this season, even though he maybe doesn't have the ton of catches that you look for from, like, guys that really jump off the radar. So, yeah, I, I think you have to pressure Phillip Rivers. I think you need to be able to stop the run, and you got to make sure you can limit those big plays because there are multiple threats there. The only thing that will be interesting, though, is if – Things get kind of crazy, and Chargers have to switch switch to like a silent count in their own stadium. Uh, that's going to be one thing to watch because that definitely will challenge the communication of that unit. Yeah, but that's also something that they've already had to do, and right. uh, you know they took their lumps against the Pittsburgh Steelers with that uh, that pro Pittsburgh crowd. So they've been through that once before. Um, quickly here, Wes. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you. When you order online at CousinSubs.com, Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, on the defensive side of the ball for the Chargers, reigning AFC Defensive Player of the Week is Joey Bosa. Not only did he have two sacks in the 17-16 victory for the Chargers over the Bears on Sunday, he had two additional tackles for loss in yeah. that game. And this is also the second consecutive game now that Joey Bosa has had multiple sacks. So um, a lot of attention going to his younger brother out in San Francisco, and for good reason, because Nick Bosa is also a defensive player of the week this week. But Joey Bosa, he's been doing it for uh, a little bit longer than his younger brother. I believe this is his fourth year in the league. And uh, this is one of those guys that you know, Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, that offensive staff, you go into a game building a game plan against this defense. Joey Bosa is the guy with the target 
on his back. Do you, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of this before the show. I wonder if this is the first time that him and Jake Kumro are going to be playing each other. Because they are first cousins for those people who right, don't know. Right, yes, you're, um, you're right. I'm, I'm, that is one little storyline. When we're all done with this, we're sitting back at our desk and trying to like plot out the week. That's going to be one thing that's interesting to follow. But sure. Bosa, obviously his brother Nick, two of the preeminent pass rushers in the league. I saw that stat last week that they actually beat the Watt brothers record for most sacks in a single week by brothers okay. at five. So you can jot that one down in your little notebook. All right. Um, but no, Joey is a fantastic football player. Four, four sacks the last two weeks, um, 35 and a half already in three plus seasons. I mean, how quickly the time goes, not even his 25th birthday yet. And yeah, I mean, they need him to be a difference maker. They're really relying on it. They do have real solid playmakers here. I'm sure we'll talk about Casey Hayward here in a second. Um, Thomas Davis is still in the NFL. I mean, it's incredible <laughs> that's, the, the that's run a, he's that's stayed on. That's amazing that he's still he's still going strong. He's not just playing; he's playing well. Yeah, and I mean Desmond King. I mean, there's there's a lot of names on this defense that kind of jump off the page to you, and then certain Melvin Ingram, um, when he's healthy, has has been one of the top guys in this league as well at times. So yeah, but Bosa's the guy. I mean, they draft him to be the guy, and and certainly he's lived up to that reputation over the last few seasons. Yeah, this this Chargers defense. A unit that's had its ups and downs, but you know, for the most part, I mean, granted, the Bears they've had their struggles offensively with Mitchell Trubisky and everything. The Bears really struggled to uh, to put points on the board against this unit. It's there really isn't a game this year that you look at this uh, Chargers defense kind of getting blown out of the water. Or no. Anything. The, the biggest reason, frankly, that the Chargers have played so many close games and have really been in every game that they played is because their defense is just solid. It's not spectacular. It's not going to knock you over. It's it's not that fearsome type of defense that uh, um, that that you know takes the ball away all the time or just buries the quarterback. But it's a really really solid unit. And you know Casey Hayward, the former Packer, certainly one of those guys in the back end. You mentioned Melvin Ingram is the the tandem guy on on the other edge. As far as a pass rusher with Joey Bosa, this is a this is a solid group that uh, is not necessarily going to be easy to score against. It is funny though. There are par- now this is I would say this is a better defense than Kansas City, but there are parallels there though, right? I mean, defensively uh, with their run front, there's going to be opportunities there for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams again this week. I think they're in the 20s as far as their total run defense this year, but they're a top 10 pass you know unit against that and 12th overall in total yards. Uh, certainly a team that is that is difficult to be messed with. And Casey Hayward, I'd be remiss if I didn't just talk about the, the career that he's had out there yeah. um, in the last four seasons. I mean, has become an all-pro cornerback. I know every time you bring up the CH word, Packer fans get enraged. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, I, I the reason I guess I probably have this, per, like, this perspective is I always valued Hayward as a top-of-the-line cornerback. I just thought he was. Thought he caught some bad breaks with the hamstrings, but I thought he was a, a leader and an important voice in that room, especially in 2015 when, you know, they, they started to, you know, there weren't there wasn't that Sam Shields guy in there anymore. More, right. you know, there was different right. type of, you know, makeup. You needed someone that talked. You needed someone that led. And Casey Hayward's that guy. Um, and I, I have a really high amount of respect for him and how he's carried himself and how he's bounced back from adversity in his life uh, to become the player that he has been. And there are big-time playmakers in this defense. So um, this is going to be another one of those battles where it's going to be yards, it's going to be time of possession, it's going to be takeaways. The Chargers definitely are a team that can take the football away. Their third-down defense has hurt them at times this season. But 
as you said, Mike, there's a reason why there's been so many gut-wrenching losses for L.A. this year, and it's because they've been in every game they've played. Yeah. So, I mean, that's when you go through nine games, when you get to this point in the season, into your ninth game, and you've played that many close ones, you expect to get at least 50% of those, and they just haven't been able to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it's really been uh, some late-game failures that have been some some major regrets. And they're looking at, obviously, as you said, they caught a break, the Bears missed the kick on the final play, so they finally get one of those late-game situations to go their way, and they're hoping that that begins uh, the turnaround for them to get back on track and back into playoff contention. On the special team side of things, I actually want to talk about the Packers because sure. we have some roster news there to discuss. The Packers have brought Traymond Smith back up to the active roster from the practice squad and have released undrafted rookie wide receiver and return man Darius Shepard. So we saw a little bit of a shakeup with the return game. Shepard was replaced on kickoffs by Chandon Sullivan, but Shepard was still returning punts against Kansas City. Now the the shakeup is essentially complete. The Packers really looking for some kind of a spark in the return game because both with what opponents have done on returns and the lack of explosive plays in terms of what the Packers have done with their returns, the Packers have been losing the field position battle this season, and that's one area that Matt LaFleur really wants to change. Yeah, and that's why you, when you look at the offense, the four-minute offense, the ability to sustain drives have been so critical and important because a lot of times they have been having to go the full distance of the field. They want to find a spark play. They want to be able to turn that around and you know and find some success there. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do with Trey Smith here. Uh, certainly, we already talked about it ad nauseum months ago. I mean, this is a guy that is a top-of-the-line kickoff returner. He was one of the best in the business last year, made the PFWA all-rookie team in that capacity. Yeah. But he hasn't really returned punts since college. So do you look at him to handle those duties? Because realistically, that is the one when you were talking about, you know, Shepard still being back there against Kansas City. Packers don't have a lot of like guys with a lot of pelts on the wall in regards to punt returns right now. Tremont Williams did it in a pinch last year, but I don't think that's your that's your prime option. That's more of an emer- you know break the glass in case of emergency. Yeah, we've and we've seen in training camp preseason we've seen Jair Alexander dabble in yeah. punt returns a little bit, but again, that's your you know one of your top cornerbacks I don't know I don't know at the end of a defensive series when he might be tired and the defense is getting off the field do you send a, is that the guy you send back there to return upon I don't know what the Packers are going to do here frankly and we may not find out until Sunday afternoon because there was no indication yeah. or there was there was no reveal from the coaching staff or from anybody in the locker room that there was a change being made at kickoff return until the beginning of Sunday night's game when we saw Sullivan back there yeah and Sullivan said I mean you know he, he'd taken you know kickoff returns here and there and he caught some balls, but it wasn't until that week that Sean Menninger finally told him, okay, you're the guy. And he went in there and, you know, he did the job. But as you know, my kickoff returns and punt returns are such different animals. I'm, I'm not trying to put punt returners up there with the difficulty of playing quarterback or an island corner or, you know, trying to coordinate a defense as a middle linebacker. But it is a difficult job. I, yeah, I think it's, it's if you have easy. a top-of-the-line punt returner, you got to value that person because there just aren't a lot of them because it's, it's, it's such a delicate balance probably more than I think maybe any other position besides quarterback in terms of being conservative and wanting to make a big play and having to have a little risk. And the Packers just have not – they've not had the big play, and unfortunately they've had a muff punt already this season. So these are all options that they're looking to exercise a little bit, and you know we'll, we'll have to see how this game plays out. But there is an extra roster spot open to mention that too as we're talking right now. Um, certainly you have Jay Sternberger as an eligible you know guy to take that. They also had released – 
you know, Evan Bayless, that's how that came open. Um, you know, Ibrahim Campbell's coming back. I mean, just a lot of different things yeah. that kind of get thrown up into this discussion uh, in terms of how you pick your 53, and then from that 53, who are your special teams stalwarts? Right, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, shuffling out to do as as the week goes along, and there's one thing we know about uh, Matt LaFleur. He's not necessarily going to just reveal what his plans are. He'll take those plans into Sunday night. We'll be sitting in the press box, and then we'll see We'll see how it shakes yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason, like with Shannon Sullivan, it was funny. We're way up there in that Kansas City yeah. Arrowhead press box, and I, <laughs> you and I were saying, oh, that's Shannon Sullivan. Rob Domofsky, God bless him. I'm not trying to put him on blast here, but Rob, you know, says, oh, Shannon Sullivan's back for the return, and then he switches his tweet note to, no, that's, that's Tony Brown. Oh, no, no, it's still Shannon Sullivan. <laughs> I mean, that's just the position everybody was in because once yeah. you realize it wasn't uh, Darius Shepard, you really didn't have a thought in the back of your mind who it might be. I thought maybe Jamal Williams, and as it turns out, they end up going that direction with Sullivan, and we'll see what direction they go now moving forward. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us and like us on iTunes and other podcast services on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.